Due to the graphic nature of this program, discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Art Star Scene Radio. I am Anita Cocknow. No, I'm not. I'm Francis Hall, a.k.a. Faceboy. Were you practicing that for so long? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rachel. Hey, I'm Emily. And I'm Calvin. Look at all the people we have in the studio. I'm meeting Woo! Emily face to face for the first time. Finally. I told uh, I told I told Rachel about your epic story. You I was like, so what you're saying is Emily is not shy on the radio. <laughs> no, not at all. If you need if you if you learn nothing else, that right there. That that very fact. <laughs> so regular listeners, we were not we had uh uh a repeat last week that was because Lucas was out of town. He's getting back tonight, like eleven thirty. He was on a cruise to Alaska. Rachel got sick, so, so sick. could not come in. And my mother fell at six a.m. and so I couldn't come. So we just I got in touch with. I like your your fingernails. Ah, thank you. He, uh, Calvin's got a great. Uh, nail polish job, purple. So it's not just purple, it's iridescent. It's like as you move your hands, the colors are changing. That uh, is really lovely. I just uh, I just slapped these on uh, right before I left. <laughs> Looks great. Uh, my mom is okay. She, she's okay, got a stiff neck. I don't know how this woman falls at age 89 and is fine. When she was in her 70s, she fell down a flight of stairs at at, a, at our house, at the house in Cold Spring, the flight going down to the basement. Oh, oh my God. That's, and nothing. Nothing. What is this? What is she made of? <laughs> that song, <What>? Titanium. <laughs> or just, she's, she's uh, raised on a good regimen of calcium over the years, huh? I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> But uh, that's my my brother is with her right now. She has not been left alone okay, since good. this latest incident. And uh, anyway, everything's going to be fine. And uh, so we had a little sojourn. We went to Wohop. Oh on- yeah, Francis and I. It was so lovely. It was our first uh, solo date. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. we went to Wohop and then to the Chinatown Arcade. We had uh, we had the Mushu chicken. Mm-hmm. Francis taught me the right way to eat it and to fold it. It's an art. Well, it's like the saying goes, because I had folded it for everybody last time. I rolled them up. But it's like the saying goes, hate on a man, he hurts for a day. Teach a man to hate himself, and you're my father. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that how it goes? <laughs> Right. Ooh. That, that's pretty right. That's pretty Ooh. right. <laughs> <laughs> I might to my therapist later. <laughs> so, how has the pandemic changed you? Oh, I'm so starting fucking with weird a, now. starting with a big question. Oh my god, socially awkward as fuck. And if oh sure, that was like so socially awkward. Like my roommates and I were so like serious about locking down, like trying to protect other people and you know, not spreading the disease. And so we just, it was just us, you know, we, we weren't even necessarily close, but we got close cause we were all we had. And, uh, now it's like, Oh my God, I'm socializing. And I'm, I, I traveled to Europe this past uh, summer for a whole month. Um, and I instantly got COVID. Um, wow. <laughs> like as soon as I got on the plane, like the guy next to me just, he went <clears throat> and it was like, Oh, I have COVID now. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah. But, um, 
So that was also interesting. But yeah, and it was just like I, I'm, I'm normally a really intrepid traveler, but I felt really uncertain about myself, and I kind of felt like I'm in this new place. I haven't really been out there. Now I have to not only communicate with people, but now to communicate with people in a foreign language, right? Mm. Um, and so that was uh, a lot. That was more than I expected it to be. Uh, I went into it real confident. I, so there were some days where I was like, God, am I nuts? Um, but honestly, it was worth it, and I'm glad I did it. I just wish I didn't get covid um, and I hope to God I didn't like spread it to anybody while I was like traveling. Um, I didn't see a lot of Switzerland, I must say, but, uh, yeah, I guess now it's like just trying to like, kind of like live a normal life and like still be in an apocalypse. You know what I mean? How severe were your symptoms? Was it mess up the trip a lot? Well, it, it wasn't bad. Thank you. The mic was a little far away from me. Um, uh, the fatigue was really surprising. Um, I, I normally have a lot of energy and I can just get up and go for like hours and hours and hours and, uh, stand in a museum for eight hours on the concrete floor. No problem. But in this case, I could walk for 10 minutes and I just sit for 10 minutes, walk for 10 minutes, sit for 10 minutes. And so that was really jarring. And my, my 93 year old grandparents said, well, that's us every day. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, oh yeah, that's true. (laughs) Never get old. They say, well, they say actually get old. It's great. You know, you want to live long, but, um, yeah, so uh, that was really surprising. Uh, there was just a little tickle of a sore throat, really, and, and it got a little worse, and then there's a lot of nose running. That's my symptom. Uh, and that was really it. So I'm better. I have no symptoms. I don't have long COVID, thank God. Um, but, oh, my God. I mean, with this thing, we didn't do anything about it, so we're probably all going to, if we haven't all gotten it already, we're going to get it probably multiple times, which is sad. Yeah, it basically sounds like it's just going to be uh, the the new rhino virus. Right. But uh, let's forget all that for a moment. Um, COVID, in terms of uh, in terms of social skills, nothing honestly changed because I was bad at it to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> so when when uh, lockdown happened, I was like, "Shit, this is this is the thing I've been preparing for." <laughs> The fucking doomsday preppers were right. <laughs> the fucking doomsday preppers were right. God damn it. No. Man. <laughs> Didn't have enough beans for this. <laughs> so uh, we recently uh, discovered or saw again for the first time Lucas's pandemic art. Mm. Um, it is wild. I don't want to talk about Lucas without Lucas here too much, but it is the most beautiful and wild and terrifying art I have ever seen. I think we did talk about it two weeks ago. Oh my we? goodness, we did. I think we did. Yeah. And I said like... It's still I on my like, mind. It's haunting me. I know. I was like, I would not have wanted to be in your head when you created that beautiful thing that mm-hmm. is terrifying and beautiful at the same time. Okay. My pandemic art also haunts me too. Like I got really into painting eyes and in mm. eyeballs and I have all this art that's just like these super intense like eyes that are bl- crying blood and <laughs> they're in my apartment but they're like hidden behind things because they scare me. So like random people will be over and they'll be like, oh, what's behind this desk? And they see the eye and they're like, ah, <laughs> 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 they're like, shit. <laughs> I need to just get rid of them, but I also know I cannot recreate them. If you can make more, do it and put them like on your toilet seat. 
Like, <laughs> no, no, I, I cannot recreate these. I never want to be in as dark and weird and isolated of a place again. Speaking of pandemic art, I had some very nice poetry come out of me through, throughout the pandemic. Some very, really moving stuff that, like, uh, it's it's the kind of thing where I don't even feel like I wrote it. I I hear the words in my head, and I I always have I always have something. I always have I I write old school. I use a pen and a paper, and I always have pens and papers within arm's reach wherever I am, so that I can get this out when it comes out. Yeah. And it's been it's been lovely. There's a, a a short one that came out of me last night that was just for you. It was very beautiful. Was very nice. Thank nice. you, Francis. You want? Can I share it? I'm sure. It's your poem. It's short. I was looking at a picture of you. It's not my poem. <laughs> and I wrote, Again, I see the hurt in your eyes. So, so, so very similar to my own. The depth of the pain inflicted by the uncaring. Yet again and again, I see the hope in your smile, given so gracefully to bring moments of peace. Mm. That that meant a lot to me. That was, that was without without seeing the the eye art. <laughs> Pandemic art. You've been making music. Um. Yeah. I've. I've. That's that's been kind of a constant for me. And uh, over like during the pandemic, I took some time and uh, my uh, I um stimulus check and spent and spent it on like a lot of equipment, a new guitar. Yeah. Uh, new microphone, like the same microphone that you're actually using, Francis. <laughs> Love those stimmies. <laughs> Everyone and, else is buying fireworks, and Fran and Calvin's like actually investing in his art. It's awesome. Right. Everyone else was like firecrackers. <laughs> Lot, lots of dicks. <laughs> lots of dicks over here. A lot of dicks. <laughs> those checks went out, and everything just started exploding. <laughs> so the leather man did uh they told me that a lot of people were spending their stimulus checks at the leather man that's a good use of money yeah that is we'll we'll maybe get yeah. back to talking about the leather man a little later we we me and rachel and lucas took a trip there uh right before lucas left and got uh some some good stuff stuff that we got new harm harnesses mm -hmm. and you know a uh, few weeks ago where we endorsed doc johnson and then unendorsed them because the fucking thing <laughs> fell apart and it was at the worst possible time we were up in cold spring and most dudes can relate to this just had done lots of planning everything was ready and rachel's dick didn't work oh my goodness i never oh. thought i would hear this sentence it's so funny <laughs> <laughs> Because I know the context, it made it even funnier. <laughs> it has happened to me. I remember the first time it happened to me, I was working at a strip club as a host and MC. And um, it was I. It was my last day there. I was leaving. And I had this, I don't do this anymore, but I had this policy of not having sex with people I work with. <laughs> I've eliminated that policy. <laughs> Literally no sex in the champagne room. So here I am. I didn't think that I would be working at a strip club while I had this policy. And it was actually good that I kept this policy because I also determined the lineup. And the lineup determines, you know, where you are. Are you in front of a big crowd or are you in front of a small crowd? And that's mm -hmm. going to 
determine how much money you make. So I didn't want to be influenced by who I was fucking. I didn't want that to come into play, and it's good that it didn't. Every other host has done that, <laughs> but I didn't. So it was the last day, and I'm like, okay, this woman knows I have no power over her. She's fucking hot as hell. We've been flirting for the whole whatever year, however I worked there. And we get to my place, and my dick didn't work. <laughs> I have so much more sympathy now. Not that I was ever like mean about it, but I, now I like have more. Uh, no, empathy is the one where you like experienced it, right? Empathy. Uh, yeah, that's tough because our culture is hard on men with that, and it's it's our culture is hard on men in general. It's so yeah. freaking hard on men. <laughs> it's hard on people in general. Yeah, <laughs> everybody, everybody gets it up the ass. Yes. <laughs> And then it gets in your head and it gets, it gets, I was going to say harder, but. (laughs) (laughs) It really doesn't. Like, it's the, it's the worst. Like, you get, like, the moment finally comes and, like, you're, like, you're just sitting there like, you have one fucking job, man. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm shy. Like you get you're, you're never shy in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> or when I'm looking at billboards. <laughs> what kind of billboards are you seeing? <laughs> you get hard to weird shit. Right. Yes. Yes. This is <laughs> that's just that's just what it is. <laughs> <laughs> there was a stiff breeze the other day. Like <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> just observing a comet through the sky. Wow. But now, <laughs> someone who was born female and has the female parts actually can relate. Oh yeah, everyone, everyone should try it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I always had a had some trouble with wetness uh, in my years uh, when I was on birth control because they always tell women in college go on birth control because you definitely don't want to get pregnant, which is the worst thing. Birth control is horrible. I don't know if you had that experience. Have you been on birth control? Mm. Uh, I do not like it. Yeah. Oh. I, I do not like it. No, it's so bad. <laughs> and so, like, it took away my wetness, and so I couldn't take all those like huge cocks that I was getting. I was so lucky to have. Oh my god! Um, and like, they would just like rip my insides. It was so terrible. Yeah, that shit didn't work. That shit didn't work. And you were, you didn't feel comfortable discussing this, saying, "Can we use lube?" You know, I I would use lube and. I, I have mixed results because uh, the, the the length of our sessions did require frequent reapplication. Um, but so sometimes we were good about it, sometimes we weren't. But you gotta understand something when you're in college. You know these guys, they're just learning how to use their dick, right? Right. Yep. You know, and, and they still have a lot of stuff that they've internalized about what sex should be and how they should be treating women and what they expect from women. And uh, so it was a little, uh, no pun intended, harder than uh, you'd expect. Uh, yeah to get kind of like work on that problem uh but uh it's so much better now that we're older right yes absolutely absolutely now that i know but uh then again experience varies (laughs) Mm. it's you know learning uh the importance of verbal communication and boundaries and uh um ongoing enthusiastic consent um, like, hey, do you mind if me and Calvin come on the show? My, I, I said, 
Hell the fucking yes. I mean, no, can we come on the show? Yeah. Hell the fucking yes. That is, that is definite. That is enthusiastic content. <laughs> that is enthusiastic content. Yeah. Hell the fucking yes. Yeah. <laughs> add the screen, add the screenshot that and send that to Emily uh, with the, uh, uh, with the caption. I think Francis is happy to, uh, uh, is excited about tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice surprise. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's so nice to be wanted. <laughs> of course you're wanted. It is. <laughs> That's cool, though. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, 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 as I get older, some of these guys they're having a little bit of a harder time with, you know, their dicks here and there. But at, at the end of the day, you're just there to have fun, mm-hmm. right? You know, so you know, r- release yourself of the expectation that it's supposed to be a certain way, or your dick is supposed to do a certain thing, and just have fun. You mm-hmm. know, make you kind of feel like you, you. uh you need to like put on a sh- either uh, put on a show or like put on just like this expert performance, and then it doesn't happen, and you're like, you had one job. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, I think things are different for me just from the length of time that I didn't have sex, and it was a very very long time, and so for it to to like. For the length of time that I went without it, then all of a sudden, opportunity arises, and you're like, "Yes, God, no, what? Yes, ah! <laughs> oh my God!" See, I felt kind of the opposite, where I, I felt like if I had to, you know, it, all right, maybe if it didn't work as much for me, I could still at least take the dick anyway and so i kind of felt like you know what i mean like just just take it just just you know what maybe i'll just lube up if i just like are you talking about shoehorning into softy yeah like i'm dry he's soft we're still trying like, <laughs> i'm like blushing and giggling over here <laughs> i'm like a little bit more shy than you guys <laughs> I have a way of wording things. <laughs> I mean, that was brilliant. <laughs> you have a way with words that I, I could never have. <laughs> and I admire that. <laughs> take a note of that. Shoehorn in a softie. Right. <laughs> put that put that in one of your poems. Uh- <laughs> Next poem. Um, Next poem. <laughs> Next poem. <laughs> You make me want to shoehorn in a soft. <laughs> Nasty. <laughs> God, now that sounds that like works. a pickup line. <laughs> hey, that's that's a line right there. <laughs> Just gonna think and be like, do I want that? <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes it works, you know. Once you get in there, and yeah. you, it, then it works. <laughs> oh man, I'm like. We're I'm laughing from per- in. I'm laughing at that from personal experience. <laughs> yep. Like you, like once you're like once you're in, you can get the emotion going and like get the job done, you know. But just just getting to that point <laughs> can be uh, can I be think that's my, exciting and frustrating. I, I think that's might have been what what happened with this with the stripper. It was a long time ago. This was in the nineties. Mm. You y'all were ten. <laughs> wishing i was here all i did was listen to ktu back then and they had all the good music going yeah. Yeah. KTU. 
girls. I would like run to my bedroom, try to hear the right song on KTU, and then hit record so I could make a mixtape. And oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't want to miss out on this. I don't want to. I want to make sure we talk about the Arts of Freedom on October eighteenth. Yes, Please. this is very important. So, Crossing Point Arts. Um, the organization that um, Ann Pollock runs, we had her on a while ago. Um, Crossing Point Arts brings workshops, art workshops to survivors of human trafficking. And it is a lifeline, like an absolute lifeline to so many people. And they need money. We need tons of money. <laughs> um, so there's a, there's a fundraiser happening on October 18th. Um, St. John's in the Village. St. John's in the Village at six o'clock. You can buy tickets at crossingpointarts.org and you'll be able to come see me and my art and Lucas and Lucas's art. And there's going to be music, there's going to be food. Yeah. There's going to be a silent auction. With some very impressive prizes. I'm just kidding. I don't know what the prices are. Thirteen foot <laughs> python, monster trucks. No, I think <laughs> I think of silent auctions as something that like very wealthy people do. Like they're like auctioning off like their their house. They're like a private island or something. <laughs> there will be no thirteen foot python or monster trucks. Well, we don't know. We don't know. You never know. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> I'm just gonna be like around my apartment finding like random things to silent auction off. <laughs> Well, you have all those eyeballs, so. <laughs> Broken harness. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, what's, what's that kind of art called? Ready-made? Ready-made art. There were like pieces. I was finding pieces of the fucking thing. Yeah. Oh, it broke like that. Yeah. Sheesh. Straps fucking fell off. It was... Oh. You found a way, though. I don't know what you did, but you found a way. Some Some tying knot magic. I'm not tying magic. <laughs> there is some whiskey here. It is not the bullet that is in that bo- that bottle says bullet. It's not bullet. It's a whiskey called Old Overholt, which is cheaper than bullet. That is very uh, honest okay. of you, Francis. Tell us. <laughs> I'm not going to. Uh, Calvin uh, would know. Oh, wait, I I definitely know. But uh, Old Overholt, still still good. Yeah, it's fine. It's, ain't, ain't nothing wrong with no Old Overholt. Mm-hmm. So anybody no shame, that no wants shame. it, I don't know if there are cups, and I'm I'm okay with sharing with you folks. I know that you're all responsible people. So anyway, um, we were talking about. Oh, did we get everything out for October 18th? I think so. And before I get into this, uh, things that maybe have been on, I haven't seen either of you. So stuff you want to talk about or that you've been thinking about. Hmm. Calvin's I mean, DJing. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I uh, I did a live DJ set um, two Saturdays ago. It was freaking amazing. Um, it was at the uh, Bushwick Ice House, which is like three or four blocks away from here. Um, the the uh, bartender Narm, shout out to Narm. He um, I caught up with him one night after my show, and uh, we talked about DJing. And he was like, "Hey, you would you be interested in a?" Uh, uh, DJing over here, I was like, eh, I'll give it a try, <laughs> and so um, I went on from eight forty-five to about two thirty in the morning. Wow! D- DJed that entire time. Damn. 
uh, Emily can confirm because she was there for like. Yeah, I got to meet Emily for the first time. Yay. You were there until about (laughs) one thirty. Yeah, that sounds about right. How late were you and Lucas there? Oh, we were there a while. I don't know what time, but Calvin was like so like you were in your element. Like I love (laughs) watching people when they are doing that thing, like that thing that makes them them. You were like so in it. I loved it. Yeah, it was it was so much fun, and uh, it 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 made things a lot um, uh, less uh, nerve wracking having you guys there. And uh, um, I had a I had a friend that I hadn't seen in like two years drop in because uh, she happened to see that I posted about it, and she just she just strolled in, just uh, just rolled up and said uh, said hello. Like I like I my mind completely uh, blew when I saw her because. Like last time I saw her was when she was working at Pine Box, and I would hang out there after my show, and she would she would bartend there. So yeah, I had a really had a really good uh, friendship with her, and uh, really nice seeing her again. And uh, she she told me about some possible DJ opportunities where she's working now. So we'll see we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> so okay, so you might be doing some more of this. Yeah. Uh, Definitely. I will actually definitely be doing more of this because uh, uh, Ice House wants me back. And so uh, I think two weeks from now will be the uh, next gig. I will I will confirm that with uh, with the bar and uh, I'll, I'll let you guys know. If there is uh, anyone listening that's looking to hire a DJ, where would they reach out to you? Um, right now, you uh, you can drop me uh, an email at my uh, Radio Free Brooklyn email address, uh, Calvin at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Or uh, you can uh, drop me a line at on Instagram, sounds.by.calvin. Unlike me, Calvin checks his RadioFreeBrooklyn.org <laughs> email. Tech- technology is not is not your, your thing, but that's okay. Last time I logged in, literally thousands of unread messages. I know. Even... <laughs> Technology is getting out of control. When we we went on this date and we tra- Francis and I and we had to play we wanted to play ski ball, but you have to like there's so many technology stuff before you can get to the ski ball machine. Oh, I won 16 tickets. Where are the tickets? No, they don't come anymore. They it, they don't have t- they don't have paper tickets anymore. It's just a stupid card now. It's a stupid card. I miss Ugh. that sound. They're like yes, and then you actually like get your tickets and you're folding them up. You're putting them in your pocket. I don't like this, uh, this like digital ticket. I don't like it at all. No. Damn it. <laughs> I want a telephone. I don't want a cellophone. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be able to pick it up and I want to be able to complain. There was never two scoops of raisins in my raisin brand and then hang up the phone. <laughs> slam it down. You can't slam down a cellophone. You can slam down a telephone, but you can't slam down a cellophone. <laughs> Damn it. I want to have all my tickets overflowing out of my pockets and then get drunk and lose them. (laughs) (laughs) I want the right to do that. Like that was that was truly living back then. (laughs) And I want to play tic-tac-toe with the chicken. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care if I lose. Bring back the fucking chicken. (laughs) I'd like to meet this chicken. (laughs) So would I actually. (laughs) Yeah, they had it at the arcade for years and years and years. What? Yeah, a tick, a chicken that would play tic tac toe and almost always win. Wow. What? <laughs> mm-hmm. Was this at like Coney Island? No, this was at the at the 
arcade. Oh, in Chinatown. Okay. Oh, wow. (laughs) Damn, I missed it. That's an old school shit right there. Yeah, for real. (laughs) Wohop is still very old school. Wohop is an old school experience. Yes, they have. They they've been there since 1938, mm-hmm. and um, and they they were 24 hours for the longest time. It was it was the it was the neutral ground for the cops and the criminals at around 3 a.m. because mm-hmm. you know the the police would after all this stuff is processed. That's where both the police and the criminals would go because they'd be open. They were cheap. It was good. I know. They close now, though. They have all these signs about what time they close. I know. I know. There are going to be some pissed off drunk people at 2 maybe, a.m. Maybe Wohop next door stays open. I don't no, know. No, they don't. I used to think that well, there's a, there's another Wohop right next door called Wohop next door. And I, <laughs> and I thought that they were they just stole the name because of the success of Wohop. And would get some customers when Wohop was when there's a line out the door. But no, it's owned by the same person. Wohop next door is more uh, traditional. Uh, so it okay. it uh, it caters more to the people that live in the neighborhood as opposed to uh, people like me who mm. know I'm eating an, an Americanized version of Chinese food and I but like it that so way. Good. It's so fucking good. <laughs> Um, who wants to read the copy? We're already halfway through the show. Aw. Okay. Okay. Emily's pointing to me. <laughs> Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us stay on the air and allows us to continue our work in the community. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all contributions are tax deductible. Please support with a monthly pledge or one-time donation at radiofreebrooklyn.org slash donate. If you're an Amazon shopper and would like to donate in a way that costs nothing to you, go to radiofreebrooklyn.com slash Amazon and register RFB as your Amazon Smile charity. Every time you shop, a portion of your purchase benefits Radio Free Brooklyn. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Yeah, and it's uh, it's uh, what somewhere around seven hundred dollars has been raised through Amazon Smile for Radio Free Brooklyn. That's a, that's a yep. nice chunk that's of change for seven hundred dollars. Yeah, for a for a small independent radio. So absolutely do that, or if not us, do. Some charity, some charity, because why not? Exactly. Hey, Calvin, give the radio some money. (laughs) (laughs) Bill Brasky. (laughs) It's an SNL skit. A Saturday Night Live skit that uh, we we constantly laugh about. It was the, it was called the Hurley, (laughs) it was called, it was called the Hurley He Boy. It was Adam Sandler and Chris Farley. Uh, Adam Sandler. Great team. Yes, um, Adam Sandler was this this kid who wanted to like uh, do pet sitting, and he just he would just like stare like forlornly in the camera, like let me pet your dog. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I I could rub his belly. <laughs> I could even teach him a trick. I think I have <laughs> seen this. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then you have Chris Farley as as his older neighbor. Let the boy. 
pet your dog. <laughs> so many great uh, teams came out of Saturday Night Live over yeah. the years. Belushi, Ackroyd. Yes. Sandler and Park. Just so many. You wanted to talk about Little Amal. <clears throat> Oh, I'm just really excited. I love puppets. I'm obsessed with puppets. And there is a yes. giant puppet who is in New York City right now, Little Amal. Um, I have no no association with her. Um, but she is, do you know how tall she is? Look oh. to me to be about 10 foot. Yeah. Um, it's a little refugee girl. Um, and she's too big to ignore. That's what it says mm. on littleamal.com. Um, so she's been in, in all different areas of the city. Today she was in Wall Street um, in front of the bull doing some kind of dance performance. Um, oh, wow. Uh, was Little Amal at uh, Grand Central like a few weeks ago? Yeah, she was at Grand Central <clears throat> um, in Times Square. Tomorrow she'll be at Atlantic Antic. Oh, wow. Little Amal is 11 feet, partly animatronic giant puppet, which was used as a centerpiece of a performance project called The Walk. The project was created by the British production companies The Walk Productions and Good Chance in collaboration with the South African Handspring Puppet Company with the intention of celebrating human migration and cultural diversity. That's the first lines on the Wikipedia on Little Amal. It's really cool how they puppet her. There's like uh, someone in her chest. You can like see the person looking mm-hmm. out. Um, and then there's like multiple people that move the arms. And there's people on stilts that do the legs. It's just. Like, oh, wow. That's amazing. Magic. <laughs> I hope I get to see her tomorrow. I fucking love puppets. I've always loved puppets. I'm obsessed. Obsessed. Do you, you like puppets? Um, Like no, no, like no particular like affinity for them but i don't mind them neither good nor bad like eating a sandwich exactly i mean if you watch sesame street you got a lot of puppets those are muppets Ah. there's a a difference i mean not not everyone's neutral (laughs) not everyone's neutral about puppets i asked my friend today i was like hey you want to go see this with me and she she's never texted back so quickly (laughs) she was like hell no this is terrifying i would never want to do this with you Emily puppets, I think they're great. I, I mean, love them. I love them too. When I was in, when I was a kid, as part of the a program, an after school program, or maybe a weekend program, uh, I I made there there's a puppet making class that I took mm-hmm. twice, and it and it culminated with a performance, and uh, and because my mom is a hoarder, I have rediscovered these puppets that I made when I was a kid and they're pretty big like they go over you and then there's a, a life-size head that you work with your hand ah. and like one fake arm and then the other arm that that's very that impressive use. for a kid to make yeah yeah seriously. yeah yeah I looked at them I was like I made that as a fucking kid it was a uh, children's aid society yep. yep I remember them yeah this mm-hmm. is also how they they tricked me into therapy <laughs> I was going to therapy for years, and I'd be like, I don't have a problem. Do you have a problem? (laughs) (laughs) My life was like an absolute garbage fire. And I would be like, what's wrong? What? You don't like it? You're not. (laughs) And then they started, this one therapist started bringing out the puppets, and I was like, oh, I I really need to talk to you, pig puppet. (laughs) This is 
honestly how they trick me into super serious, serious therapy. Listen, if it works, it works. Yeah. Yeah. We need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it, it can be hard to talk to a person face to face. But if you're looking at that platypus that's sitting right there on that table, he's not threatening. Uh, mm-hmm. That platypus doesn't care. One iota. <laughs> True. <laughs> I was also like 30 years old, but it worked. That's hey, right. Doesn't matter. I still find worked. them to be magical. Me too. And like Halloween parade, those giant fucking 30 yes. foot puppets that they're amazing. They're mm. so cool. All the people it takes to carry it and work them and stuff like that. I love them. I, and I'll, 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 I'm down with a fucking sock puppet too. Me too. There's this like hysterical video that I <laughs> that someone made during quarantine that they made a sock puppet and they're looking out the window and the sock puppet is just eating all the cars <laughs> for like hours. It's just like the most simple thing and it just like eats all the cars out the window. <laughs> I love it. God, what a COVID oh. thing. <laughs> it just, it's like a really bad sock puppet too. Those are great. Well, I will say I think I'm not sure if you remember this, but there was like, like this is going back a few years. Um, you and I were hanging out one night at uh, uh, on the High Line, oh, yeah. and um, you know that one section of the High Line with the steps and the uh, project uh, the uh, projector. Yes. And there was uh, there was one night where there was nothing there was nothing being projected on on the uh, on that adjacent building except just uh, a white light, and I I just decided to like. Just start making hand puppets and just like following people and making uh, making stupid. Oh, shadow, <laughs> stupid shadow puppets! Shadow yeah. puppets! Yeah, I I was doing shadow puppets. Is, I wish you uh, radio. Ooh. This is my favorite one. It like it looks like a monster. I don't know how to describe it though, but it makes a really good monster shadow. Ooh. Oh, how do how do I describe that? this to listeners? I don't know. It's like your pointer finger and your middle finger. You have them meeting at the nail, and you've bent them into <laughs> eyeballs. Yep. And then you have the thumbs are in the mouth, right? Yeah, you put them together, and then your two hands together, so they touch. And scare the crap out of someone. Yeah, <laughs> with that shadow puppet. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I would, I would just for like a good twenty minutes, I would just like making shadow puppets and just like harassing people <laughs> as they walk by. That's hysterical. But, every, but everybody got a kick out of it. <laughs> like that was that was a fun moment. That was fun. So, like, I, like, I guess. Puppies have a have a uh, uh, more of a meaning for me than I realized. Like I didn't really grow up like besides like besides you know like Sesame Street and everything. Didn't really grow up with uh, with puppets and things like lamb that, chops so. play along. Lamb chops, oh yeah, yes. yes. This was uh, something I had studied in college, which was, and I'm surely not pronouncing it correct, but uh, the Wayang Kulit, which is from uh, it's a sh- shadow puppets. Uh, from Java and Bali in in Indonesia, mm-hmm. and their the performances it's just incredible. The, these puppets and I, I have one at home, a small one. You have everything at home. <laughs> <laughs> you love coming to my place. It's wild. <laughs> it's like your eyes get big. You're looking everywhere. <gasps> um, and uh, it's it's incredible. So these puppets. Are behind a screen, and then there, there, there's a light that's that shines behind the puppet. So, so you see it on a screen. You see mm. the puppets on a screen, and uh, I, 
could be wrong about this. Don't quote me on this. But when I was studying it in college, to my best of my memory, is that a lot of uh, cultural culture was saved through puppetry. A lot of the things that like had been, hey, you can't say this, you can't do this. This is no, this is no longer legal. Uh, shit that that happens in cultures way too often. Hmm. A lot of it was preserved through the puppets and through the through the through the scripts that were made because no kidding because people are like not paying attention the governments that are imposing shit mm-hmm. are not really paying attention to to what the puppets are saying that is super interesting <clears throat> huh yeah so i had this idea that there would be a library of puppets <laughs> and people could come in and they could take the puppet that they need like you got a problem you got to solve like you might need a specific puppet but i don't know i don't know how to get this off the ground <laughs> Uh, that actually sounds like a really good idea. Like, How do you get be- people to return the puppets after and make sure? But I feel like they would. I feel like they would. Two of history's most favorite puppets, Punch and Judy. Ever heard of them? Yes. yes. Take a look at that shit now. It's probably pretty <laughs> offensive now. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. But it's okay because they're puppets. <laughs> I was like, this is some crazy fucking wife-beating bullshit. <laughs> this is not right. Yeah, this, this would wrong. not be okay anymore. This is not okay. This is not okay. Punch and Judy I mean, did not age well. No. I mean, for fuck's sake, the dude's name Punch. Yep. <laughs> oh. Yep. He had a stick. He had a fucking stick. But they're puppets. They're puppets. No one actually got hurt. But still, you're like, oh no, not don't for children. <laughs> no, there was um, a really great puppet claymation type internet sensation. What was it called? Don't hug me, I'm scared. Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> I was like, that's a good tagline oh my for my life, I- right? <laughs> <laughs> Hard relate. <laughs> good one for the pandemic. Yes. Yep. Yes. Basically, it was this very, uh, I guess it was categorized as comedic horror. Um, and it, it was this very slow moving, you know, maybe one video would be called Time and all the horrors around time. But it was with this cutesy puppetry felt background and a dude in a bright red fringe monster outfit exploring time and all the horrors that come with it. It was wild. <laughs> Remember that, Calvin? It's been a while since I've seen that, but like the the, the memories are starting to flood back now. <laughs> right, right. Yes, that, we repressed that one. <laughs> Highly recommend. Go watch. <laughs> we're, we're making a puppet show at uh, the mental health program that Lucas and I go to. Yeah, you're telling me about that. I yeah. know. I've been telling everyone about it. <laughs> and the, the star of the show is this puppet that Lucas made to get out of going to the psych ward, but it really worked. There is this. The one day that Lucas was like on the verge of getting the cops called, and I was like, "Babe, sit down, make a puppet, (laughs) (laughs) like see what happens." And it's the craziest, craziest freaking puppet. It's like covered in blood, and the hair's all wild and like fake blood, fake blood. But it worked, and now it's the star of the show. It would be cooler if it was real blood. And y'all made a puppet for me too, which I love. Oh yeah, that can that can talk. That was for Valentine's Day. That was very sweet. Very nice. That one doesn't really have a name yet. Edna. Edna, okay. 
I'm just came you. to me. That's an old school shit for an old school uh, craft, really. <laughs> yeah, I like it. And 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 on happy days, call her Eggnut. <laughs> you're a comedian tonight. I am a little bit on today, aren't I? You are. You're on a. You're on a Been roll. On <laughs> Do we want to get into this fetishizing your fears? That was that was a hard. Well, maybe it's not. I was gonna say it's a it's a hard turn from puppets, but it's not really. It's really not playing with your fears is very much on brand for puppets. Fetishizing your fears. Like, uh, can you can you kind of explain that one to me? Yes. Um, I was in the marijuana business for a while, and I uh, I really believed strongly that I was doing. A good service. I believed strongly, and now that has panned out to be true, that it was medicinal for many people, and uh, and so I was based in New York, and I supplied a lot of areas in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. I'm crossing straight lines. This is in the 80s, the mid 80s into the 90s. Uh, the laws were very harsh, and I would have pounds of weed on me at any often at any one time uh and i was mostly in a vehicle and i was scared to death of getting caught and going to prison uh i was so afraid of prison i was uh and i began to fetishize the prison experience fetishize i started to fantasize about having sex in prison um, as a way to uh, be less afraid. And um, as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a prison punk, as a prison bitch. Were you aware that, that like uh, that this is what you're doing? Like, oh, I'm going to turn this into a fantasy or it's just, it naturally just started happening. I was not aware of it. I yeah. didn't know that I was fetishizing. That's what fears. I figured, yeah. Yeah, and I want to say right now, that there's a huge difference between reality and fantasy. By no means am I trying to imply that there is, that it would be a pleasurable experience. Uh, I've read firsthand accounts of people who've been turned into a prison punk, and it's horrifying, and it's humiliating, and it's scarring, and it's terrible. Uh, and I don't want to present it as anything but that. Fantasies are different. Fantasies, you're in control of what happens. Mm. Fantasies, you can stop. That That is the beauty. Mm-hmm. That is the beauty, and that is the magic of playing with your, your biggest fears. And we wanted to talk about this because, and you don't have to talk about yours if you don't want to. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't want to <laughs> say anything it's, specific. It's very difficult. You know, what I, what, I, what I just shared is a very difficult thing for me to share, but... I know that I'm not the only fucking weirdo out there. I know that there's very likely someone out there that's like, holy shit, I did that. And I felt weird about it. I felt shamed about it. And maybe I shouldn't have. And no, you shouldn't have because no one got hurt. That's a very beautiful thing to be able to like take control and play with your fears and then maybe let someone else know about them. Um, but I think there can be like a lot of shame attached to it as well. 
I have a so- story too, but it's kind of on the other side where it, it wasn't healthy. It's not really my story. So, uh, we'll, we'll call this person who I was dating, Edna. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Edna, um, Edna had uh, a cause in life and Edna, uh, wanted to kind of save the world. Um, and, and he had this idea that, uh, if, if he could be a good enough inventor and a good enough engineer, he could do it. Um, so Elon Musk vibes without the trappings of being Elon Musk. Um, but mm. kind of sort of similar. Um, and, uh, one way that he fetishized his fears was he said, listen, Emily, I'm really into BDSM, particularly being humiliated. And, uh, part of the reason why I do that is because uh, I have to bring so much optimism and hope into doing this challenging work that I have to do, um, with my inventions that, uh, my way of, uh, overcoming and sort of, you know, because he had to compartmentalize so much, the the doubt and the hopelessness that comes with uh, being a creative type like that, um, he he uh, he made that a, a sex thing basically. Uh, so he loved being humiliated. He liked watching me do gangbangs. He liked watching me, um, you know, do gross stuff to him. You know, uh, all everything you name it. There were no limits. Um, but that was actually kind of the problem is that there really were no limits and he took it too far and it was, he, he didn't reflect enough on the, uh, the negative impact that that was really having because he was effectively replacing therapy with BDSM. And so that's where it started to go wrong. And so when he was using it to explore these negative feelings that he didn't really feel like he could think about when he was focused on his usual day-to-day, it meant he had some stuff to unpack and things would go wrong sometimes. During these sex sessions or in a sex club or something, things wouldn't go right. Maybe he'd drink too much to the point of blacking out, right? All of a sudden, this thing that he wanted so badly, he couldn't even observe anymore because he was going down to such a dark place. And, uh, or, or other times, uh, it, you know, he would be crying on the subway or something crazy like that because it was just such a dark place that he went to and it, he had like no other way to explore it and asking him to, uh, try and actually, you know, reflect on that wasn't an option. And that ended up being a dangerous situation for me because some of these sex clubs are not great sex clubs and things went awry. Things were bad. And, you know, there came a point where it was like, you know, the argument was almost like he can't save the world if he can't have this certain kind of sex. Right. Because he needed some way to express this. And in his mind, he had no other way to do it. He didn't really have the willingness to try and find another way. And uh, and so then that kind of made me a sacrificial lamb. And so that's where BDSM can go awry when you uh, utilize it excessively to the point of illness uh, where really you should probably just go see a damn string. You know, that's thank you for sharing that. Uh, there may be people who needed to hear about that. And the, the principles of BDSM that have been established quite a while ago, it's three words, safe, sane, consensual. Safe, sane, consensual. There was a case that came up a number of years ago where a woman had signed over her, her right to consent to her dom. And not long after she did that, he 
went way too far. And once she finally got out of the situation uh, and went to the police, uh, he was like, well, here, look, this, she signed this. <laughs> You're fucking crazy, man. <laughs> You're fucking crazy. And he thought that the, that the BDSM community would be behind them. And they're like, no, this is, this, this is not what we do. You don't, consent has to be there. You can't sign over consent indefinitely, forever. You're not part of our community. Don't try to be part of our community. And, uh, he was, he, he was rightfully convicted and, uh, Spent some jail time. Uh, when, for whatever reason that she signed that, I'm guessing that he had built trust to the point that she would do that and then broke that trust by just continuously going too far. I feel like consent is more like concrete than sane. Like, it's hard for me to, to know, like, is this sane or not sane? That's, that's a hard one for me. Mm. I feel like, <clears throat> sorry, I feel like that's kind of a, a relative thing and my uh, mileage varies from. from it's so partner, relative. Partner, I'm so yeah. weird, but everyone's weird. Yeah. Why? Why? Why do you think we all know each other? Because <laughs> we're weirdos. Well, yeah. I, I think, <laughs> yes. But are we, are we sane? Right. Well, and obviously there are implications to trying to define sanity. Um, and, uh, you know, there are cultural aspects to that too. And it, you know, you kind of want to be careful to not make assumptions that aren't scientific. And uh, I, I do think there is a line, right? There's there's a, a line, and the line becomes if your if your life hinges on it, right? If if your day to day hinges on it, you might need more than that one thin thread to be hanging on. And maybe that's not a sanity issue, but maybe it's more of like a you need another lifeline, man. <laughs> you well, know. I know that I'm sane because I do the same thing over and over and I expect different results. <laughs> <laughs> you have like a routine yeah. tonight. <laughs> no, I'm like, it's, it's also pretty, pretty ableist. I know that I am like, <laughs> we got to snort. <laughs> No, I know. I know that I am like insane. I'm someone who hears voices, sees visions. I was up all night hallucinating, but it's, does that mean I'm not sane enough to make decisions? Like, no. Right. That's another really key point, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I w- I wouldn't say I'm sane at, at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I had a wild night. <laughs> um. But you have some agency, you know. Even through the crazy thicket, you still have agency, you know. That's especially important. Yeah. But it's hard when, like, society is saying these types of people can give consent, these types of people can make decisions, and these types of people can't. Right. Mm. Right. Like, I have friends who, like, like, one friend really wants to get tattoos, and, like, she goes to the tattoo shop, and they won't tattoo her because they're assuming she, like, can't consent. She's a grown-ass woman. But she does have, like, very significant, like, cognitive disabilities, but mm. she's still a grown ass woman who's like very clearly like, yeah, I want this tattoo. Yeah, that's it. And people are like, I don't know if I feel right about tattooing you. Whoa. Huh. It but- took a lot of uh, a lot of advocacy in the uh, for people with uh, mental disabilities just to be able to have sex. Right. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. For way too long. 
it's, for way too long. It was like, well, no, you you're, you're you can't because you don't know what consent is and this and mm. and it's and and it's it's a very difficult difficult area and topic. It seems it seems like a lot of that also has to do with legality, like mm-hmm. it's trying to trying to stay within the confines of the law. And when you try to stay within the confines of the law, that's where things really start to get really hazy. Mm-hmm. Interpretations of law, case by case basis, mm-hmm. it gets it gets it gets out there, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I don't know what the final determination was, but I believe that it that there have been. I'm pretty sure that there have been advances where where where. It's it's not just no you can't do this. It's we're gonna we're gonna look at every single factor. Yeah. This the partner that you're with. I work you know, with folks you- who have disabilities, and I had to do like mandatory New York State trainings on this about like giving people their privacy and giving people their right to their sexuality. So they're I'm not an expert, but I did have to do those trainings. Mm-hmm. We only have about three minutes left here oh. on this show. It goes two, two minutes. minutes. Two oh. minutes. Two minute warning. Oh, Get damn. your shit together. Oh, no. <laughs> two minutes. Two minutes. Uh, coming. This is Art Star Scene Radio on Radio Free Brooklyn. Coming up next, we're gonna have. We're gonna have. We got Courtney Love here. Yeah. You should <laughs> stay for her show. I was. I was expecting this here. Hi, Courtney. <laughs> She peered over and, and kind of waved like, hello. <laughs> yeah, but first I was just hanging. Was, okay. And I'm blanking on the name of the show. The Circuit. The Circuit with Courtney Love. Stay here for that. Good her, show, way to, her show is dope. Yeah. I, I absolutely co-signed the show. <laughs> yeah, I like the show. I like the show before me. I like the show after me. I like that it's radio. I like that it's radio and not a podcast. There's there's no I in radio. <laughs> I was like, there is. <laughs> All right. Well, I always get that wrong. Folks, thanks so much. Thank you, Calvin. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, everybody listening at home. And I do like to sign off like this. Show yourself some love. Show some love to others. It's important. And you know that it is. I'm going to have 25 sec- 20 seconds of silence. This is your, your time to reflect on all the stuff that we were listening to that we we're talking about. <laughs> Take some time.